before I even get to what I will talk about, one thing I want to mention, there's a number of people in our church have asked questions, so let me address this publicly and, um, and see how this goes. But so, so people are, are, are many, several in our church are being required to, uh, to get the vaccination. Now, you may already be vaccinated or you may not want to take the vaccination. So uh, people have questions about that and they're wondering what we think about that. Those that, for instance, have the conviction that they don't want to take the, um, <clears throat> the um, what's the UAE, what's that stand for? EUA, Emergency Youth Authorization. It's, it's really not a vaccine. It's actually, uh, it hasn't got that far yet. But nonetheless, I don't want to get into weeds about it. Uh, a lot of people in our church have taken it. Some haven't. Some people have the conviction they don't want to, and others feel, and their employers have said, well, if you're going to work here, we want you to take the vaccination. What do I do? That Some people say, some people do it easily. Others say, I don't want to. My convictions are that I don't want to take that. It's against my convictions and my belief system. And so uh, some people are using a religious exemption, and there are forms you can get online for that. So People have asked, well, Pastor, where do you stand on that? Well, you know, you've got to live by your own convictions. My heart as a pastor is I can't tell you what to do with your life. I can direct you with the, with the, with the word of God. That's my job, right? And, and, and to give you wisdom. We're to walk in wisdom. We're to apply the word with the wisdom of God. So what I don't do is make people's personal choices because if I make your personal choices, I become responsible for you. And I'm not responsible for you. You're responsible for you. Is that true? So just got to keep the butt. So what are my opinions? Now, I can give you my opinions and what I personally do, but that may not be your convictions. So let me say this in a way that you understand that. If you have personal convictions, and this is where we're messing up today, let people think what they want to think and do what they want to do and quit being aggravated with them. Yes or no? Okay. So some, of, some people like to wear a mask, others don't. Well, just be quiet about it and smile. Now, they might not be able to see you if you got a mask on, but just smile. They can see your eyes go up, you know. And then if you want to take the vaccine, great. If you don't, great. But don't be fussing at people because of what they do or don't do, right? However, for me, as a lead, I'm a leader and I'm a pastor. A leader's an influencer, so I'm going to tell you what I do. I have never in my life... Now, have I taken vaccines? Yes. Do I believe I, my children got certain vaccines when they were young? Now, now they give people like 70-something vaccines, I think, uh, which is crazy. I, I like got the polio vaccine. I actually got one, you know, a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. I had a little thing when I was little, I think. What was that for, polio or something? And then I got the uh, jab on my arm. And, uh, but then, you know, I've, I've traveled extensively worldwide, met some really nasty places that you don't even want to think about, you know. You've got to take some stuff when you go there, and those vaccines really work. So I've taken a number of vaccines according to the nations I've gone to. So, so I'm just saying all that to lay a foundation that I'm not anti-vaccine. But, but personally, I have never, I just never have taken personally. That's my personal conviction. You understand? I can't tell you to do this. My personal conviction, never taken a vaccine for the flu. And, and the reason for that, Susan was in the medical field, and and, you know, I've known doctors and nurses and such. And, uh, and I've always heard that, that these, the, the uh, coronavirus, which is a co- common virus for the flu and, and uh, colds and all that, uh, it mutates constantly. And, and once you try to, try to get a vaccine for it, it'll mutate, change, and then the vaccine's no good. So, so I'm challenged in what's going on today with the pushing of a vaccination uh, with, a, with, a, with an 
organism that mutates constantly. I'm, really cha- I'm personally challenged with it. I'm challenged with what they're saying. I'm challenged with the whole system uh, because I have read uh, information and listened to information on both sides of the aisle, those that are pro, that, pro, that are those that are con. And I'm talking about some people that are really, really educated people who, who have compassion for others, and they're, they're really upset about what's happening. I, I've listened to so many of the doctors whose voices are muted, and the news will not say anything that disagrees with, with what their authorities are telling them to say. And that's across the board. And most Americans don't know that, and that's fairly upsetting to me. And so I know when I say things, well, you don't, well, you know what? I don't go, I don't run with the crowd. I run with Jesus. And I follow my conscience, and that's me. And I've always been that way. So if you're looking for a crowd pleaser, it ain't me. It just ain't me. But you know what? I listen to everybody, and then I make, I, I make value judgments based on what I hear and what I believe. So, you know, uh, so if, if you're challenged, so let me go here. So what do you do? So, so somebody asks a question. So what do I do if I don't want to take the vaccine? If you want to, I'm fine. I'm, fine, I'm good. Everybody got that? Can we get past that? So we say, well, pa- well, Pastor, I don't want to, so I want to do the religious exemption thing. So, so what, how, how do I need to be thinking about that? Well, well, if it was me and I were in your shoes and I didn't want to do it because I never have, uh, and they're forcing my hand, there's two things you got to think about. Let me talk about the first one first. And, and so, so I, would, I would, the angle I would go at, if you, you got to fill out a form and tell them why you believe what you do, why you want to do what you do. For the religious exemption, for me, I would, uh, I would err on the side of because it, because it defies my conscience. You're asking me to do something where I have personally have to defy my conscience to obey you. And I've always been a conscience-driven person. So just listen real quickly here uh, to the scripture here, conscience. Uh, definition for conscience, Mr. Webster says, the uh, sense of right or wrong within the individual, the faculty or power or principle as in an individual nation or group that guides towards the right and away from the wrong, it's conscience. So um, the Bible has quite a bit to say about conscience. Acts 23, 1, Paul said, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Acts 24, 1, the next chapter, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. So what's Paul saying there? He lives by his conscience and he seeks not to violate his conscience. That's a good, wouldn't you think that's a good way to live? Uh, 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Then 1 Peter 3.16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And then the Holy Spirit uses the conscience to convict of sin. And I got one little caveat to mention about that. John 8.9, uh, those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one being with the oldest even to the last. Acts 2.37, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost to some religious Jews. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. That is, their conscience was affected. So, you know, the conscience, uh, the conscience is not necessarily the voice of God to a believer. Now listen to this. So you got some people you know, their conscience lets them do things and you think, I don't know how that person says they're a Christian and they do that. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Well, just keep it to yourself and pray for the person. Um, So what is that? Well, the dynamic of conscience, the conscience once you come to the Lord has to be trained. 
Our conscience is trained by our environment, by our influences, and by what we've ingested and allowed in our life. Our conscience is trained. And many, many people's consciences change according to the, to the way the wind blows into culture. So they're constantly changing their convictions. But see, it's a wise person that allows their conscience to be educated by the word of God. And then when you get, your, when you get the word inside of you, it produces conviction so that if you are to start to say something, start to do something, and it's crosswise or opposite of what the word says, there's a conviction inside that's called conscience, right? Now, some believers don't have that because they never read the Bible and they just listen to videos all day. That's a problem today. Would you agree? So anyway, um, so conscience, if you're, if you're doing a religious exemption because that's your personal conviction, then I would err on the side of appealing to the fact that if you're asking me and demanding that I do this, you're demanding that I violate my conscience and religiously, and I understand that we're not religious, we're spiritual, we walk with Jesus, but to a person that doesn't know God, we're religious. So my religious convictions forbid me to do that because it would violate what I personally feel and believe from the scriptures about what God has done. For me, it would violate me if you ask me to do that, I'll say, I don't want to do that. Uh, you say, why? It's because I have a conviction from the word about my health and what I put in my body. And then the other caveat to that part is that um, uh, in, in I, I'm not sure about all three. I know in a couple of these, um, these um, uh, vaccines, um, they're using aborted fetal tissue. Now, that right there bothers me, um, and, and that would bother my conscience. Now, that's truth. I don't like to think that an aborted baby that could have had life um, is being ingested in me. I, I, just, I just don't like it. So anyway, that's what I would do. So uh, we can't tell you how to fill out a religious exemption form, nor can we do it for you. We can just appeal to you in the way that I'm doing. Does that make sense? So uh, a word to the wise on all that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a big deal right now. There's a lot going on there. The other, other side of this, and I'll quit and go to my subject, is that the, the bigger concern I have, even though I am concerned about uh, the va- And if you've been vaccinated, how about just believe God? Just like if you're not vaccinated, how about let's believe God, right? Uh, we've had these viruses for thousands of years, and God's made the human body to fight them, yes or no? And, and, and what we ought to be doing is eating properly and keeping our body nutri- proper nutrition and all that and, uh, and, and, and do that. And then on top of that, believe God first. Get in the word first. Trust God first. Start saying, and I say it all the time, I'll never have COVID-19. It will never kick my butt. You arrogant. No, I just believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. Now, if I said that based on what I think I can do, well, that's arrogance, yes. But if I say that based on what God said in his word about me, how many know that's different? And that's walking by faith and not by feeling. So, um, but the other side of this is um, the other side of what they're demand, when, they de- when someone demands that I do something. Well, you can't, you can't have a job unless you do this. You can't enter our restaurant unless you do this. You can't, or you can't come in our store unless you're vaccinated. Um, number one, they're polarizing us. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, secondly, that is tyrannical. 
and it's wrong. And it has the spirit of Antichrist all over it. So when somebody demands that, my first question is, why are you demanding this? When there are prophylaxis or there are medications that you can take if you need them because your immune system's not responding well that can help you. And they're not even being allowed to be talked about. Are you aware of that? How many are aware of that? Would you raise your hand? How many are not aware that these things are not being allowed to be talked about? And in some places, they can't be dispersed. So there's, a, there's something going on behind the scenes here. And I'm telling you, um, I mentioned it to my mother again today, the word nefarious came to me, and I didn't try to make that up about all this. And um, this is a nefarious situation with COVID-19. The enemy's using it. And I just, I just read it. Everybody okay? I feel like I'm rambling, but I feel like I need to say some of this. Y'all okay? Really? All right. Uh, but I just read this. I mean, this is so uncanny to me. I mean, I've read this all my Christian life. I couldn't figure out how on earth this is going to happen. But here we are. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause many would, uh, as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He caused all. Verse 16, Revelation 13, both small and great, rich and poor. This is New King James. Slave and free to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, I'm not saying this is it, but it's sure it's second cousin. Do you hear me? So, you know, we started this thing with, well, we need to flatten the curve. That, that turned into, well, we've got to stay away from each other. That turned into, now we've got to be inoculated, which turned into we've got to have a second one. Now it's turning into a third one because they're variants. And where is it going to stop? It it's not going to stop. So, you know, I, I, I'm not being political. You may think I am. I'm just, I'm not being political when I make these statements. These are problems. These are current problems. Let me just, and I'm done with that. Everybody okay? I was praying this morning and, um, uh, you know, uh, I pray in the spirit for about an hour in the morning and I did that this morning. And a lot of times, you know, you just get dry mouth. So I got my water, I'm drinking my water and I'm kneeling down praying in the spirit. I get up and I sit on my couch upstairs and, uh, and God speaks to me through words, and God gave me another word today. And I thought, that's interesting. Uh, I still don't know how to apply it completely, but I think I, got a, I think I got an inkling of it. The word he gave me after I prayed for an hour, and I put it in my Google Notes, and I looked it up. Um, he get, it's a strange word, epoch. Do you ever use the word epoch in a, in a sentence? Usually not. I think there's a, a publication called Epoch Times. Epic times, well, epoch, E-P-O-C-H, epoch. Uh, it means it's a, noun, a particular period of time uh, marked by distinctive features or events, etc. cetera. Uh, a sentence uses the treaty ushered in an epoch of peace and goodwill. Uh, the beginning is another definition, the beginning of a distinctive period in history of anything. There's a sentence use, the splitting of the atom marked in Epoch in scientific discovery. So um, we're in an epoch. That is, this is a significantly changing time. And um, I'll talk about this more on Sunday, but man, we're going into some tough stuff. And uh, 
Don't let anybody kid you that this is not child's play. This is serious business. And uh, nobody's happy. Nobody likes it. Everybody's aggravated worldwide, okay? And everybody feels the, I don't know a better term than angst. Would you maybe come up with something better? But you just feel it. There's pressure. The pressure's intense. And, and see, God has called us to walk in peace and walk in his presence. So uh, tonight, I, I angle from that, pivot from that, and we'll get done on time. I've been going later, but hopefully, by God's grace, I won't go long tonight. We'll get out at a good time. Uh, so let me change my document. Uh, I was looking at a document. Here we go. So the title of this is Allow God to Be Your Safe Place. Um, Matthew 7, and I may mention this Sunday again, Jesus mentioned, therefore, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, it didn't fall. It was founded on the rock, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell and great was its fall. It wasn't the circumstance, it wasn't the storm that caused the house to fall. That's the, that's the most prominent part of this, of what Jesus said. It's not the storm that defeated the house. What defeated the house was its foundation. Same wind, same rain, same storm came to both, but the one that stood had a proper foundation. The proper foundation, Jesus said, was not, not just hearing what I've said, but putting it into practice. So for me, this really is a day, and you know, this is separating. You can call it the, you know, uh, men from the boys or have girls from the women, however you want to say it. Uh, today in this era of time, this epoch, it's, uh, it's defining who we are and what we really, really believe. Um, the challenge with giving in when the government says, you got to do this to your body is, um, is how that's going to end. And if we don't stand up now, we lose our freedoms. You need, we're in an epoch. This is a defining time. Most Americans aren't thinking that way. We have crowd think now. We, we think uh, we just go along, go with the flow, what everybody, if everybody's saying it's got to be right, that's the biggest, most ignorant lie I have ever heard. The crowd is usually wrong. So, Anyway, we got some huge problems today, and so allow God to be your safe place. God taught me a lesson. This was 30 years ago. I was, um, you know, 30 years ago, I was 32, 33, and um, I started a church in a small town. You've heard the story of South Carolina, but it, for me, uh, up to that time in my life, anyway, that's probably the most severe test I'd ever gone through. I, I did counseling at a large church in Tulsa, and I had a Masters in Johnson stress test list. And Masters and Johnson came up with a list of uh, issues that happen in life and they gave, gave a percentage of stress that that thing produces. And I had that list and I'd kept it and I kept it with me and, uh, and I'd look at it every once in a while. Well, well Susan, Susan, I had, Susan had a baby. We moved from, from a city of uh, 500,000, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to a city of 6,000, a church that had 5,000 uh, to my little old tiny, you know, incubator church, just barely starting, and no, uh, to a town of 6,000. 
So, so we had, we had 5,000 in the church. So, you know, the stress was off the chart. So I looked at the list. I had everything but divorce and death. Everything else on the list I had in my life. We had a baby three months after we moved. So I'm just saying that the, the pressure was um, ultra intense. I had hundreds and hundreds of relationships, had, I mean, hundreds of conversations every week to, to being in a little town that nobody knew me. There never been a, a church like I was starting in that city. It was really hard. I was young. Um, and, boy, it was just really tough. And uh, uh, the stress was off the chain. Susan was working nights in the hospital at one point um, because we just needed some income. The people in the church that I started didn't want me to work, but that produced some, had some financial challenges, bar none. And, uh, but God met us, you know, and uh, I eventually did. Uh, I did start a business during that time just to augment my income, make some money. And anyway, uh, after I turned the church over to someone else, but during this time, just I'm just trying to paint a picture. It was really tough for me. It was really tough. I'd never, uh, I'd never had the mental duress for that prolonged period of time in my life, uh, uh, up to that date in my life. And so it's hard. And I was just saying, God, how to deal with this? I mean, the pressure was unending, and and that's how it feels today, doesn't it? It's like you get up every day, and there's the pressure, right? It's like, do I want to go to the grocery store today? Everybody's going to be not looking at each other and blah, blah. I mean, it's like, it's weird, right? So all of us feel it. So how do you deal with the pressure? So um, I really wanted to give up. So one, one day uh, Susan was working. The kids were, um, were at school, and I was at home, and, um, and I was sit, just sitting on the edge of my bed in my bedroom uh, and, um, and just sitting there just, you know, kind of feeling sorry. You ever just felt sorry for yourself? So I Probably shouldn't have, but that day I gave myself permission to feel sorry for me. So uh, uh, an old term would be the mully grubs. You ever heard of that? I was just feeling bad. Woe is me. My bottom lip was sticking out. And I was looking for all the reasons that everything's bad, you know. And I was really in a funk. I just, it was just awful. And uh, I was sitting there, you know, and, and I heard the Lord. I mean, he spoke to me. I mean, y'all, I mean, um, I weep when I talk to you about it because it was so close to me. It showed me how much God loves you. If you're going through a hard place, he knows it. And all he wants you to do is acknowledge it and open yourself up and say, help. <laughs> That's all he said. Well, I'm glad you asked. So now I was just sitting there and I'm really pretty frustrated about the whole schmeal that I'd gotten myself into because I made the decision to move, start the church. Didn't go. Usually things don't go the way you think they're going to go. You had that happen? So it's real discouraging at times. So, uh, but anyway, I'm a man of faith. I know how to believe God. You know, anyway, I was sitting there on the bed, and the Lord said to me, Mitch, get up. In fact, he didn't just say, get up. It was like real stern, like, get up. Get up. Huh? Get, get your Bible, get up. I had 10 oak trees in my backyard. And um, he said, go out and walk back and forth under those oak trees, open your Bible. I said, you've got to be joking. I didn't even want to look at my Bible. You ever just felt that's like, I don't want to read that Bible right now. I don't want to be upset. So I got my Bible, and I'm not kidding. The moment I opened my Bible, it's like the Holy Ghost came on me, and I walked back and forth uh, under those oak trees, and here's what God gave. He gave me some scripture, and y'all, that has, I just can't tell you what it did to me. Number one, it, it showed me that God is intimately involved in everything about you. Did you hear what I just said? So if you're feeling tough and life ain't fair and you're having a hard time and your dog don't like you and your cat scratched you and the, and the goldfish is upside down in the bowl and, you know, you know, traffic's a mess when you go to work and your boss ain't right and your 
you know, the people in the cubby beside you saying things. And, you know, just understand God understands, right? So here's what he gave me. And I, I've spent my whole life with these, these scriptures. And they, they really helped me. And so I walked back and forth probably, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. Just reading. Nobody knows the trouble I feel, you know. So anyway, I was reading. And here's what my eyes landed on. No kidding. And, and y'all, from that day to this, and that's here, I'm double that age now almost. Uh, but this helped me, and I want to I read it to you. Psalm 27, 5. This is God's word translation. He hides me in his shelter when there's trouble. Is that good news for you? He keeps me hidden in his tent. That means he's with me. He sets me high on a rock. The idea of that is if the flood's going by, that, that water can't touch you, you high on a rock, right? Psalm 34, 19, this is on New King James now. Uh, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord sometimes gets him out of a couple of them. Oh, that's not what it said. But the Lord delivers him out of them all, right? Psalm 37, 39 and 40, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. Now, you know, I started reading that and I started weeping because I, uh, I was feeling sorry for me. And if you feel sorry for you, you don't want to read the word. And you don't want anybody to tell you it's going to be okay because you want to rearrange their notes and you get upset about it. But when I read this, I started weeping because I knew God was speaking to me. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He's their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord will help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Is that good or not? That means if you're in a hard place, God's with you. This verse says he's going to get you out of it. Psalm 46, 1, this is amplified. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. I wept when I read these. Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Psalm 86, 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. And then Psalm 91, the latter part of Psalm 91, which is so wonderful, the whole Psalm, verse 14 through 16, because he, the believer, set his love upon me. Therefore, God said, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He will call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him. That's a generic term for him or her, of course. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's, that's just awesome. Isn't that awesome? Um, and then Romans eight thirty seven amplified. Yet amid all, the, amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. So I would read those things over and over and and, you know, all that gloominess and darkness and despair and despondency begin to lift. And I really begin to see that, you know, God had a plan, a purpose for me going there. And now I look back on the era of life that it was so difficult and hard. Those were formative days for me to work things out of my character that had the pressure not been there, they would not have surfaced. And had those things not have surfaced, uh, I don't have time to get in the weeds, but to say I would be a tyrant to my children I would have aggravated Susan to the nth degree and, uh, and she would not like me uh, had I not gone that era of time right there. So, so 
the thing that we all need to know is in the times there's pressure, the squeeze is on. It's squeezing all the impurities up. And if you, if you see that, that God will deliver you, the first thing that gave me, this thing did was gave me hope, these scripture when I read them. I read them over and over and over. It gave me hope that I'm in this hard place and it felt like, you ever felt like you're somewhere and you can't get out? Like you'll never get out of this? You know, I, I bet the people in Afghanistan feel that way. I cannot get out of this. What am I, what am I gonna do? You know, well, uh, you can be in situations in life. It might be a marriage, it might be a job, it might be a financial situation, it might be um, something that was thrust upon you. It could be a divorce, it could be anything. You say, how in the world can I get out of the place that I'm in right now? Well, you know what? God's big. And he's promised regardless of what you face in life, he'll, he'll be there with you and then make a way of escape out of it. Is that good news or not? That gave me hope. And you know, the first thing you need in life is not faith. Did you hear what I just said? The first thing you need in life is not faith. You need hope. If you don't have hope, you'll throw faith away. Hope's a blueprint. Faith takes the blueprint and makes it a reality. It's the first thing I needed. God knew I needed hope, and he just took me through the scripture. He showed me, you may feel like you're not going to make it, Bubba. <laughs> we together in this thing, and you're going to make it and you're going to be okay. And so, you know, what I learned was God wants to see, see the bigger picture when life is tough. How many hear me? So why am I saying this? We're in an epoch. We're in a time of change. I mean, this is, this is some tough stuff. We're, we're, we're leaving, and let me say it again, we're, we're leaving the age of grace slowly here. These things take time, and we're slowly, now the rapidity is increasing, and we're going into the age of judgment. God's beginning to judge his enemies. And, and let me just say, you may disagree with me on this. There's, some, there's a form of judgment coming on our nation because we've left the word of God and we value what God does not value. You can't get God's blessings and do opposite and act opposite of what he said. Yes or no? So, um, so we, we got some tough times ahead having said that. Don't forget that God took care of Israel um, God took care of his people in Israel when they were in a tough place, when they were in Egypt, and when the judgments came on the Egyptian gods, Exodus 2 through Exodus 11 and 12. Uh, don't forget that God took care of his people and he paid, placed them in the land of Goshen. And so you got to understand, spiritually speaking, we live in the land of Goshen. And we're, I, I do feel like there's judgment on America because of the choices We've made morally, uh, we're, we're aborting our babies, we're, uh, s- sexual sin is rampant in all kinds of ways. Uh, our morals are, are, are just in the dustbin. And uh, oh my goodness, we're, we're leaving all the things that made us great and, uh, and, and there's judgment here. And uh, judgment often comes in the, in the form of natural disasters and we're seeing that right now everywhere. Is that true or not? Another form of judgment it was when God allows other nations to overrun a nation. And, and you need to be praying about that. This thing in Afghanistan is really serious with a porous southern border. It's really easy for people that don't like us that would easily kill themselves and many others by blowing up a bomb. Uh, easy for them to come through. I'll, uh, I don't like to say this, but um, I was praying um, February of... Um, February of 2001, and minding my own business, this is before 9-11. And um, 
And the Lord said to me, uh, nuclear matter will be detonated on the soil of America. Now, I don't like to say that publicly, but that's what he said. And I said, why are you telling me that? I'm just podunk pastor in Garner, North Carolina. Our building was in Garner. So why are you saying that to me? It was interpretation of tongues when I was praying in the spirit. And I thought, wow, well, that ain't happened yet, and I hope it never does. But I'm just telling you that we're in a really serious time, and you need to be praying. How many hear me? If you got children, grandchildren, or you're young and got a lot of years ahead, I'm telling you, there's some tough stuff ahead. So we're living in an, an epoch time, a time of change. It's a defining moment. We seriously need to pray. But I'm saying that regardless of what happens, God's got us in his hand. And we're going to be okay. And you got to trust God every day that you're going to be okay. If something happens and your business ditches or your, or your income ditches or whatever, you go to the grocery store and there's no food, God will make a way for you. I'm fully convinced God will make a tomato plant grow out the ground if he has to with some broccoli or some cauliflower or, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, uh, just to feed my family. How many believe he could do that? He could have a deer just come across the fence in my backyard and I'll kill that deer and eat that rascal. Bambi tastes good sometimes when you need it. So, you know, I just believe, I'm just saying God will make a way. Is that right? Yes or no? The other thing is you always got to keep the bigger picture in mind. So we always, right now, we need to keep the bigger picture in mind. God, you know, we're going to go through some stuff and, and you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be wonderful and optimum. I'm just saying God's going to make a way and he's going to show us how good he is to us. How many hear me? So keep the big, and, and what I got 30 years ago when I was going through the hard place, Mitch, always keep the bigger picture in mind when you're in a hard place. So here, here are the scriptures about the bigger picture. Romans eight twenty eight Amplified, we are sure, assured to know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. Is that good news or not? For those who love God, called according to his design and purpose, message paraphrase of Romans 8, 28. That's why we can be sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I really like that one. Romans 8, 18, uh, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later than the message paraphrase of 18 through 21, Revelation 8, uh, Romans 8. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into this glory, into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joy, joyful anticipation deepens. Then 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, New Living Translation. This is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying. Our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So it's the word that we often can't see you know, fleshed out and working out. And but we keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on the word. That's how we keep our eyes on Jesus. Message paraphrase, same verses, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. 
on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. The things we can't see now will last forever. Isn't that awesome? So perspective's everything. So just want to encourage you. My, my real concern, we Americans, Christians, tend to be extremely uh, spoiled. And, and we just think everything's got to go our way all the time. And it's not God for us to have a hard place. And, uh, and just go visit the rest of the world and you'll see some hard place. And I have never met people who love Jesus more than the people that I've, the people groups I've visited in other countries where life every day is a challenge and it's tough. Um, they just have a, they just have a closeness with the Lord because they're desperate. And what we've done, we've become soft because we're not desperate. And then now we have expectations that things ought to be just wonderful and work out. And, uh, and it doesn't always work out that way in a fallen world. And we're going to go through some things as a nation that I don't like. I don't like it because I have children that are half my age and I have grandchildren that are very, very young. And I don't like what I think they may have to face. But what I do know is God is amazing and he's good. So for me, my heart is becoming detached from things. You know, if your heart's attached to your house, unattach your heart. If your heart's attached to your job, your heart's attached to that nice, fine automobile you ride around in, or your heart's attached to your money, whatever you got, attach your heart to Jesus. Because if something happened and took one of them, you still have him. And if you have him, you have everything. Huh? That's what I found out. I mean, if he can, if he can commission a raven to feed a prophet by a brook, I promise you he can commission a dog to go get you some food in a bag and bring it to you if you need. Is that true? So uh, I'm excited about the future. And what we're going to be seeing is, is some real tough times coming. And I want you to get ready for it. You, you get you some food. I mean, if you go from, from day to day and just go to the grocery store to get you something to eat today, get you some food and keep it at your house. Because if something happens and travel is curtailed for some reason, the grocery stores empty out now in about a day, right? So I've said these things, get you some food, get you a way to have some drinkable water and have some extra on hand. Don't wait. I'm not kidding. Everybody got to have a way if there's no electricity that you can cook your food. Do you have a way to do that? Uh, anyway, I could say uh, I've got to watch what I say. You know, we're preparing here at church. Can I say that? I mean, we've got extra food here. We've got food. We've made plans. If something something went south. So we're living in a weird time, y'all. There are going to be seeing things happen that you've never seen before. doesn't mean that God's not good. It means God's wonderful and amazing. He never changes. But the world is changing. We're going into an age of judgment where the end of all things is that him and Jesus is coming back. And that just needs, means we need to be ready and prepared. And God, and I'll end this. Uh, God gave me a revelation. I was reading through the book of Daniel. Oh, this is 1990, 1991. And it really bothered me. I mean, it set me back. And I sat on my chair and I just kind of 
kind of looked at the walls for a while because I saw very clearly that Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, who were given pagan names after they had gone into Babylon. Israel was in Babylon during their lifetime. Israel was out of their land. The promises of God had been breached, and they were out of their land for 70 years. And that's Daniel's life. But one thing that I saw very clearly was um, whatever affects the nation that you're in, it'll affect you too. But in the middle of that, God will take care of you. God took care of Daniel. God took care of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and all the other people in Israel that trusted him during that time that Israel was moved out of their land. We got some really serious things happening. Our leaders in America have let us down in a big way, and it's going to cost us a lot to get, even if we get, we may get it back if we don't, I don't know. It's going to cost a lot, and we're going to go through some things we've never seen. Don't let that bother you. If that bothers you, it probably needs to until you absorb it and see that we're really living in a different time. You get it? And I'll talk more about that Sunday. But what I wanted you to break away from this tonight with is that God's going to take care of us. And you're going to be okay. And you can trust him. I found out that in the hardest place in life, you can trust God. How many hear me? Uh, I'll just end with this. I was in Ethiopia. This is, man, I don't know, 2010 maybe, nine. And I was, uh, I'd eaten some really bad food, and I, there was no running water, no electricity. Y'all, I was sick. My God, I was sick. I'll just tell you. It was probably 110 degrees outside. The water, the ambient temperature of the water was like the air. It was terrible. And I was sick. I was throwing up. Oh, it was awful. And uh, we had church under a tree in a field uh, with, a, with a bunch of natives in a tribe, and uh I was out there, and I was, and, and something Bruce McDonald was preaching. The guy I went with, and uh, and I was there with him. And, I mean, everything started spinning, and I headed back to the SUV, and uh, I fainted. Oh my God! And the guy couldn't. Know, the driver didn't know English, so he didn't know how to help me. So I came to and poured water all over my head. Came back to, got in the van, and and I said, God, you just go to the SUV. He said, God, you got to help me. And this is how God is. When you're in a hard place, we got in that SUV. They finished a little ministry time. and Oh, my God. Oh, I just felt like I was about to die. And I'm away from any medical care. There's nothing there to help you. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not even, we're eight hours from any airport. I mean, we're not close to anything. And I'm going around that big old mountain and looking at the valley. And I just begin to worship God on the inside of me. And I just cried out, God, I just need you. If I ever needed you, I can't help myself. And I don't know what to do but you promised to heal me and your promises are yes and your promises are amen. Forever, oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sickness and y'all, if I'm not, I promise, I was hanging on, you know, those little things in the car, you hang on to the little, the little uh, holder at the top of the car. I was holding on with, and, and just praying, you know, and they had music and all in, in their language going on in the SUV. I was just worshiping the Lord a minute. And y'all, it felt like honey. It started on my head. And it felt like something started flowing down my body. And all the way down my head, all the way down my chest. And it just flowed all the way down me. And, and when it finished, I was completely healed. And you know what I took away from that? I don't care what you're facing in the world, where you're at, 
how beleaguered it seems to be, God will always meet you. How many hear me? So if anything I said bothers you, it probably needs to. And you need to get away with God. Some people are so attached to comfort, they can't handle anything I just said. Did you hear what I said? I've got people that have left our church because they don't want me to say anything like I just said because they think that's doubt and unbelief. Well, you know, you ain't live long if you hadn't experienced some tough times. How many hear me? I'm just encouraging you that things are going to be changing, but that God doesn't change and we're going to be all right.